Welcome. 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 You Welcome. are now one of us. You are a paradise paradoxian. Welcome to the paradise. Seatbelts on. <laughs> Welcome to the paradise paradox, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we're going to talk about Kurt's new place. We're going to talk about a room that's going to be available. <laughs> yeah. So come on over. Come on over. Pay a visit. Jump on Airbnb. Book a flight. Come on over to Guadalajara. We're going to talk about, let's see, what people do when they travel, how sometimes they get a little crazy when they travel because they don't know how to behave in different countries, uh, how it affects their cultural lens that they have. Yeah, sometimes perception can be a little bit skewed. Most of us spend maybe the first uh, 20 years of our life, you know, in the same town, in the same country, same cities, and then, uh, then you leave and you see a whole new world. And sometimes the grass isn't the same color, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't freak out. A whole new world. A whole new astounding point of view. It doesn't matter where you go or who you know. Let me share this whole new world with you. So we, we briefly chat about, well, actually some in depth. We go through some cultural shock, some adventures that we've been through. Yep. And uh, we try to encourage you guys to go on a few adventures as well. Yeah. That's so, pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, this, is, this is your life. This is our life experiences. Uh, traveling, you know, meeting some new people, seeing some new sites. This is sometimes the, the best experience and education that, yeah. uh, that life's got to offer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Nothing like breaking yourself out of your box, giving yourself some new challenges. Cool. So head on over to theparadiseparadox.com. You can look through our old episodes on there or, our, well, well, they're new to you. So there's still new content seemingly. <laughs> All our new episodes. <laughs> yeah. All 51 of them. <laughs> 51, 52, counting, counting. Uh, yeah, you can look through our old, uh, all of our backlog there. We've got a lot of great content on there. Uh, jump on Facebook. You press like on Facebook if you feel like it. Hold, hover over the like button and press get notifications so you're always staying informed, in touch, connected to the paradox, connected to the docs. And jump on over to YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, press like on YouTube. Uh, jump on over to iTunes. Leave a review there. Subscribe on iTunes. Jump on over to Podcast and subscribe on there too. And, and then you can head on over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com. So uh, we've, we've put a lot of work into these episodes. We do everything we can to make them more interesting, more high quality, uh, good for you, entertaining for you, the listener, the watcher, the divine seer, the, the bright shining light. Of, of beaming spirit that that <laughs> that the, is our listenership the observer uh, that makes us real you <laughs> yeah. make me we wouldn't me. be here if you weren't watching um, so, <laughs> so we do appreciate it when you go over to donate.theparadiseparadox.com and give us a little tip suggest a donation one us dollar per episode that you like throw us a little bitcoin altcoin or uh, paypal paypal tip there and uh, jump on over. You're, you're seeing on the paradiseparadox.com. It's got a shop Amazon link at the top, so you can follow it through 
And that just means everything you buy on Amazon will get a little commission. So if you feel like window shopping on Amazon, just head on over, press that shop Amazon link on the paradiseparadox.com and uh, that, that'll really help us out. So we appreciate that. And let's get into it. That's about it. Enjoy the show. You know, I have this this new apartment. I have this three bedroom apartment. I'm paying approximately two hundred and seventeen US dollars and fifty cents per month for a three bedroom apartment. It's probably about seventy square meters. It's like six hundred square feet, something like that. Um, but uh, it's it's nice. I mean, it's not in the most modern part of town, but it's in Santa Tere, uh, which is um let's see there's kind of mixed conceptions about it like some people tell me they absolutely love it uh especially people have lived there to <laughs> tell me that lived here rather um but also the the conception is that it's it's starting to, to become more hipster like it's really cool to live in santa terra like you're you're really funky but it's also really cheap um, th- things are cheaper here than than in El Centro um, or other parts of town. And and it's only a twenty minute walk. Yeah, from um, the center of town. How far yeah, is it from? Yeah, there? about twenty minutes. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. From so, that. so you're twenty minutes from the the CBD. Mm. I don't think Guadalajara has a CBD. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everywhere is the, the center of business in Guadalajara. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty meshed, really, mm. isn't it? It's, it's a weird city, but um, it does look pretty hipster cruising around here. Yeah, uh, I, yeah. Use, I use that term loosely because I don't, I don't really know what what hipster is, oh, okay. Mexican okay. style. <laughs> but a lot of a lot of coffee shops, like hidden little pockets, yeah. artworks everywhere. It's kind of it is kind of uh, it's funky, mm. a lot of funk. Mm. <laughs> Which one? Well, I mean, it's, it it's like, like it okay, uh, cruising. For, uh, coming from a like an Australian, yep, like suburb point of view, you come here and and it's like everything's a little unkept. Mm. It's like everything's a little. The grass is overrun. Sure. Uh, buildings Pavement's are broken. Roads are like just potholes everywhere. Um, so I've even seen like a gravel patch of road. Like, um, really? yeah, like one of these back streets. It's like okay. you, you don't know what you're going to find, but it's, it's, it's left <laughs> to its own. It's like it's falling apart. Everything's, everything's got paint coming off it and there's oh, buildings man. falling over a little yeah, bit. I think they should put that up on a billboard. Santa Terra, you don't know what you're going to find. <laughs> well, they're all one. Are you going to find high-class high furniture stores? Are you going to find a lad selling drugs in the park? You never know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's got everything. That's why it's so <laughs> yeah. wonderful. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Uh, yeah, I did, I did went, go into that furniture store around the corner, a couple of them on the same street, and, and I asked them, well, don't you have anything a bit more economical? Because they're showing me like these fancy, uh, fancy seeds for, for like – 
200 $300, you know, it's like $800 for a, for a set, a dining room set, which, well, in Australia, that's that's actually not such a bad price. But here, it's... it's uh, When you're saying fancy, like I saw a place around mm. here, like only a few blocks away that might, like the furniture looks like they're maybe, for a set, you might pay mm. like 50,000 pesos. Really? Like, okay. like I'm I talking like that high class, but gloss, <laughs> like glass, like finished rosewood, yep. you know, everything custom, you know, curved, um, you know, like, like worked wood, like mm. classic. Um, I'm not sure where, it, I'm sure it's only a few blocks from here because okay, okay. I cruised past it and thought I have to go check it out. I, li- I like, I like that old stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I went into these two places and I was like, no, I'm kind of looking for just like a basic chair that's all i want and and uh i saw the admin chair that was sitting there uh like the the girl was sitting there doing admin and and i was like well i need something more like that and she's like oh we yeah we sell those um but it was still like 100 bucks and i was like no nah. <laughs> no yeah, I, I picked something up for for like 16 and a, a nice cheap office chair that aaron is sitting on over there and it's quite comfortable i've been here for hours yeah yeah it's a nice seat <laughs> 250 pesos you can't go wrong 16 bucks yeah it's yeah, pretty good 16 bucks yeah we're jumping through time now it's it's actually two days later but i, I did I, I found another place where I can buy an office chair even cheaper for like thirteen dollars. <laughs> it's like the identical office chair, but <laughs> but um, I, I guess I found the place that actually makes them, um, and they're, yeah, they're nice quality. Good, good. You know, it seems like they'll probably last five or ten years with the quality. Well, it's it's a it's an office chair. Like yeah. it's a it's like a waiting room chair. So. Yeah, you, know, you yeah. can't really go wrong with them. <laughs> yeah, um, but like you said, man, you never know what you're going to find. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, my friend, uh, my my friend Josie uh, has this plan to like furnish her place with using wooden pallets, uh, and she said she can get them for twenty five pesos a piece. And so you know, you stack three, maybe five on top of each other, put a a, a thin mattress on top, a colchoneta. Uh, and that's that's pretty much a nice cast. Put put it up against the wall. Maybe you've got a couple of cushions on there, and you're looking pretty good. Well, you know you need probably need to put some sealant on the um, on on the uh, pallets, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah, pull off any spiky bits. Yeah, yeah, sand it down a little bit in places. But yeah, so I like the idea. Mm-hmm. It's kind of kind of hipster. <laughs> what does that mean <laughs> I, I don't know it's kind of the, but that's the expectation of, of this of this section of town mm. it's like it's a lot of makeshift yeah around here you see there's always something interesting to find yeah that's kind of the Mexican attitude like nobody really wants to throw anything away they're like you know put some put something on it and and uh, you know mess around with it a little bit and I guess that that was, it's kind of funny. It's kind of like going back in time because I'm sure that was the attitude of our grandparents. Uh, like yeah. why throw things away when you can fix them, reuse them, you know, with a little tinkering. Yeah. But people in developed countries don't really have that attitude anymore. They're just like buy a new one because everything's made of plastic and everything's 
pretty cheap and yeah. Well, it is cheaper to buy something new in Australia mm. because to find someone to make it and the running around and the fuel that you're going to spend yeah. uh, and all that and just your time, is like, it costs more. You may as well just go spend 20 bucks and buy a new whatever that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but here, you know that on this block or the next block, there's someone that's dedicated to fixing that mm. and everyone takes their broken cables down there and you know, you fix your cable for a tenth of what it's going to cost to get a new one. Mm. Why, mm. why waste and why, why waste money? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's still kind of the attitude here. Yeah. So anyway, so I got, I got the apartment. It's sweet. And I, I need to, and I still need to mess around with some, some furniture and stuff. I mean, I, I got a couple of beds. I got like, let's see, I ordered two, two beds, two bases, just individual size beds. Did it? They call it in English. I guess you just call it a single, right? Yeah. <laughs> Not an individual. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, I'll tell you what. It, it happens. You stay here too long. Your words get mixed up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't even know what you call a matrimonial size bed in English. You don't call it a marriage size. No, it's a double. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. But okay. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, so yeah, a couple couple of individual <laughs> single size <laughs> single size bases single size mattresses uh and uh, a, a bedroom set uh that's i guess you just call it a bedroom set like two two um bedside tables um this uh this bureau or dresser with with three drawers and a, and, and a cabinet there and a, and a mirror and and all that cost me, I think, about five hundred Australian dollars or four hundred American dollars, something like that. Seven seven thousand mm. pesos. Yeah, pretty pretty nice deal. You know, you can furnish an apartment pretty cheaply here. So, yeah, the idea is, uh, I I furnished a place, make it look nice. You know, I just need to make a, a couple of modifications, and then I can dump it on. No, not dump it. I can put it, put it, you can post place it, it <laughs> delicately on Airbnb, and uh, and and there I can, you know, I, I charge foreigners like somewhere between ten and twenty US dollars a night, and um, of course for the area, if you live here, that's that's expensive, but for them uh, coming in. Um, looking for a place, maybe just for you know a few nights, for a few weeks, a, a month or so. Um, it's very convenient for them, and it's it's kind of weird how that works because I am I'm acting as a middleman. But but the reason um, the reason it works is is because they don't have the the time and the the ability, maybe the language ability to come come down, negotiate, furnish an apartment and stay there for a, stay here for a week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it, everybody wins in this interaction, except for the hotels. Um, the, the hotels lose out on the business uh, and the, the business goes somewhere cheaper. And, yeah, well, I think the business for hotels is going to, I mean, there's, still, there's always going to be business for hotels, mm, but it's, mm. it's going to... Um, it's going to change the game and change their market because yeah. for people... Well, it already has, I think. Yeah. People that want to travel, they want to meet other people, like mm. local people, they're going to look oh, at yeah. Airbnb, like somebody that, that wants their own space and time, yeah. and they're going to go to a hotel because they don't want to see people. Yeah. Like a different, yeah. different customer. Yeah, that's um, right. It's, it's, a, it's totally different customer base. Yeah. But the, the perception of 12 bucks a night like mm. seems really cheap. Yeah. 
But then, it's but then you said, here, not, but, but, then, but then you told me it was like 180. What 180 pesos? You're crazy. No one's gonna pay that. <laughs> yeah, 180 it's like pesos Mexican mind or uh, yeah. what, what are you gringo mind? mind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's the same thing. <laughs> perception just twists you up. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, like you're saying, it's a, it's a different market. Like if you come into um, Guadalajara and you go you go to a hotel, you know, I guess you, there's no way you're staying, staying in Santa Tere. Uh, I don't think there's any hotels in Santa Tere. There might be some sneaky mm. bed and breakfast or Perhaps. something, but a hostel here or there that doesn't advertise a lot. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's a, it's you know, it's a great place. It's like this microcosm of Guadalajara, everything concentrated. But if you get 10 blocks to the north, then, mm. then you're in like Providencia mm. or like, you know, the, the business district mm. and, you know, you, you're probably paying something like, you know, two and a half thousand pesos yeah. a night. Yeah. But that, yeah. that's hotel. Yeah. But I mean, it's so close. Mm. Like it's pretty, it's literally a couple of dollars in a taxi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny how that works. Yeah, but you, you need to be, you need to know the the city. You need to have a network of people to to let you in on on uh, on how to live cheap. Otherwise, you just live the, the tourist way, and mm. you, you know you you book your hotel before you land, and you get a uh, airport taxi from the from the airport to your hotel, mm. and you know you end up paying easy ten times more than what's necessary, yep. with, with no real extra, um, I guess, transport comfort. Same taxi. Mm. And, you know, you wouldn't say you're any safer. Like, you know, the taxis aren't any more secure. Is that, mm. is that the word? Or the confidence to that nothing's going to happen. It's all the same, the same network. Yeah. So now I'm confused whether I'm using Spanish words or English words. <laughs> secure. I think. Well, hey, what like trustworthy. No, trustworthy oh, taxis. Okay. 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 I see what you mean. <laughs> yeah. Like I knew it sounded wrong. It's like secure taxi. Like you're not going to fall out. <laughs> it doesn't sound right. Yeah, I think you were talking about maybe if the the taxi driver is going to kidnap you or something. Yeah, well, people have, people are worried about that. Yeah, like yeah. people are, are really worried. I mean, here on the news in Mexico, I say like, you can't even trust the the airport cab. My mum's worried about that. She's like, don't <laughs> don't take the airport cabs. Don't take the metro. Don't take buses. Don't don't talk to anybody. It's like you need to call a family member to go pick you up. It's like just let me. I'll be safe. I'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is what I'm saying. Like even my mum, that's Mexican, is is more is as, as terrified as as any gringo tourist that's been mm. that's been watching Fox or yeah, CNN. She's, she's been Ozified. Sure has. Yeah, unlucky. Yeah, but that's like the. I guess it's in some cases that's like some kind of backwards rationalization. Like, um, I mean. Yeah, what, what I'm saying is, like, when you leave a country for good, you want to say, you want to convince yourself that you made the right decision, like, <laughs> yeah. and try to put put all the positive aspects out of it out of your mind and maybe amplify the negative aspects. But I, I mean, I'm sure in in the let's see, your your mother must have left Mexico about thirty, forty, close uh, to forty years ago. No, it was thirty, thirty one years ago. Yeah, right. Okay. And I'm sure Mexico has changed a lot in that yeah, time, it's, like so much. It, it's like a it's like a cultural um, disjointment. <laughs> Disjunction. Uh, 
something. <laughs> it, no, it's, it's like, okay, you, you leave your, it's like you leave, you leave your hometown. Mm. And I guess a lot of people can probably relate to this. You leave your hometown, you go somewhere else or, mm. you know, you leave the country mm. and you come back 30 years later and nothing's the same. <laughs> but then, you know, you, but then you, you don't feel, you don't feel at home when you get back to your hometown again. Yeah. But then this place that you've been living at or working at for the last 30 years, mm. you've never, you never called that home. Mm. It's like, I think Sydney has that feel. Like, you know, you never feel like, like Sydney's your home. Right. I mean, I don't know, living, living the last few years in Sydney. Well, I've only lived a year in Mexico. So going, going back a year, living the last you know, handful of years in, in Sydney, you never feel like, like Sydney's your home. Mm. That's how I felt. Like, you know, I always felt like Newcastle's home. Mm, mm. How, did you, how did you feel with Melbourne? Did, did, that, did it feel homey? Yeah, absolutely. Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne's a great place. No, I, I have no problem calling Melbourne home. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. But, but now, uh, you know, I'm like, I don't really have a home. Or that's, that's how I felt when I left Australia and it was, uh, you know, staying here in Guadalajara and then I went to Colombia. But now I, I guess I have, I have sent myself up here. Uh, well, this place feels pretty homey. Yeah. Like, you know, I, still, I, still half empty. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I mean, like going heading over to Kurt's place, it's yeah. like, you know, I feel like you live here now. It's like, I just, yeah. Like it's, it's only 10 blocks from where you're living before. So it's not really a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, this is kind of like Kurt's place. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Kurt's place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But how do you feel? Okay. So you're going to, you're going to put this room up on Airbnb. Mm. You can charge about twelve US dollars, yeah. Um, and like we're talking about the, the expectations and perceptions of maybe someone that's coming in and walking around the town, like mm. walking around these streets, is going to be interesting for them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. For, we've normalized to it now. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if it's that weird. Like, I don't know if you would experience culture shock if you if you came here. I mean, uh, but I don't know. I guess it's, it's such a it seems such a a foreign concept to me now, um, for the moment anyway. I mean, <laughs> oh, do you do you ever remember feeling culture shock, like like something so sh- shocking? I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about one or okay. two times I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. I remember when I was in uh, LAX, and I saw this uh, police car pull up, and it looks like a police car from the movies because you know we're right next to Hollywood. And and uh, the, then there's the, there were these police coming up, like marching up some stairs or something, and they're holding like these huge rifles, which I, I don't think I'd ever seen a, a gun in real life. At that yeah, stage. like like Jurassic Park, like a <laughs> shotgun. Yeah, like, yeah. Velociraptor's going to charge out of yeah. the departures gate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and like I, I don't know if this is just how I remember it, but what. What I, re- what I remember is this: the police officer at the front swinging this this rifle around, like twirling it in his in his arms, like like it's some kind of toy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure I've exaggerated that memory, but that's how it seemed. And I was like, "What the fuck? What, <laughs> what is going on here?" But now, I mean, seeing seeing firearms it seems relatively normal i mean seeing security guards out the front of banks of course they held they held some shotguns and stuff yeah yeah um yeah i think i got a similar kind well, i mean there's there, there's, a, there's an array of experiences where you think you know i'm, I'm not 
I'm not in the terrace anymore. Mm. Like, this isn't this is at home. <laughs> yeah, you're not in Raymond Terrace. But I mean, e- even that would be culture shock. Culture shock to some people walking around Raymond Terrace. Like, there's a lot of I'm sure. there's a lot of mullets. <laughs> <laughs> What, what we do yeah um, yeah cruising from the okay i well quickly covering my history of mexico the mm. biggest trips was like you know i was here as a kid like a toddler and then um the first big family trip was i was about 12 years old mm. and, and that was all just very exciting like you know you're 12 years old there's no real expectations or you're not really yep. judging anything yep. and you just absorb everything to be you know just really different and cool um, and then i didn't come back till i was 23 Mm. or nearly 24 and that that's when I think I was hit with culture shock because it was just you know how do people survive here like it really mm. it hit me hard like you know I know I've got family here but how do people live how do people become grandparents in a world like this it's like you know everything's just not just not nice <laughs> I just didn't know how people survived and that, that was kind of stupid and naive but like that that was an honest thought so I flew into the airport and you know I had maybe 50 plus family members uh, waiting for me and you mm. know they're all waving little Australian flags so mm. it was like it was extreme from when I from when I got here they, <laughs> they haven't seen me and they got posters of Benny and I up as you know as 11 12 years old you know, <laughs> like, you know just like really young uh, like kids and like you know this is the, this is the images they had of us um, but the culture shock was the, you know, all piling into these uh, SUVs and cruising through Netza, you know, at about 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, I felt like I was in Gotham City, um, <laughs> you know, and, and now, yeah, you know, I'm yeah. look, looking up for these, where are all the flying cars? Because it's not possible that everyone travels in these roads. <laughs> you know, it's like a speed bump at every corner, um, potholes everywhere else. And these cars are just like, you know, cruising through reasonably, I say, it felt fast mm. because you got you got highways going through there, and it's all it's all dark and dingy, and there's no streetlights. Mm. And you're like, and then you have all these ideas of Mexico being this dangerous, broken world, and you know, the, and then all of a sudden it's like you're in Dark Angel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that was culture shock. And then you get to the house, and you know, a few uncles have got you know pistols hit, sitting around, and it's like you've never seen a you've never seen a pistol before. Mm. Like you've never mm. seen a firearm, and there's just a, there's a gun on the table. It's like Normal business. <laughs> um, as long as it's not pointed at you. <laughs> I'm not even sure. I think that was. I think that was a joke on me. You know what I mean? Like, I was gonna see what what would happen. Um, but then, but, but now <laughs> Your it's like uncles love to play these these little jokes, just, just <laughs> scaring the kids. No, but I, even even now that I've been living here for a year, I still feel like my family treat me like like I'm a little kid. <laughs> and and they're, they're they're shocked when I turn up to the house. Like, how did you go from Guadalajara to Mexico City? Like, you know, how do you know your way around? Like, well, I've, I've been here for a year. Like, I have my own place. I, I bought a car. I, I can drive. You didn't realize I'm 30 years old. Like, when, when you came over, or we went to a few of those parties, it was a little, I, feel, I feel like they were treating us like kids a little bit because it's like they're different worlds. Mm. That was cold yeah, shock. Well, I, I don't know. I thought it was... I don't know. The only thing I can think of is like your your aunts were always um, like speaking to you instead of to me. <laughs> like, ah, oh, does he like this or does he know this? Or uh, <laughs> and speak, you told him Spanish. like you told him like yeah. We we both told him like three or four times. Yeah, it's a, you know like I know I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 
I don't need an interpreter. But I get I guess they just had that impression because the last the last person you brought there was was uh your buddy Warren. Oh yeah, and, he, he didn't and, yeah, yeah, he didn't he speak did, yeah. any uh any Spanish. Well, you know, other than the greetings, but I guess mm. all white people look the same to them as well. <laughs> I guess I guess that's something to do with like you you know, you see a white Australian and you know, it doesn't occur to you that this person from the this you know this country that you've never seen and maybe never will see all across the complete like almost opposite side of the world is is going to speak your language. <laughs> yeah, it just it um, wouldn't it wouldn't come into mind. Yeah, it, there, there is another culture shock, um, but mm. kind of the kind of the reverse. Mm. But it was a slippery idea because I I feel like it just it just left my mind. Mm. But it was it was a kind of a solid. A solid thing. No, yes, there it is. When I when I got here, I felt mm. like all Mexican people looked the same. Mm. I felt really? like I was programmed. It's like okay, for example, uh, when you get on the bus and yep. it's like take a take a photo from the front of the bus looking down the aisle. It's like I'm on a bus full of Mexican people. It's like mm. you know you, you, that's what it is. But now now that I've been here for a, a while, I I feel like I I could measure the differences in my perception over <laughs> over. Okay, now, now I can see like. I can see the emotions that these people have. I can see who's happy and who's sad, who's angry. Mm. Um, where before I was just, whoa, there's a bus full of Mexican people. <laughs> that, yeah, that, yeah. That's like kind of like a, a different kind of culture shock where it was like, let's say if we, we, go, to, we go to Japan. Yeah. It's like, it'd be, it's like a whole different type of, of people. Yes. Where Australia is very multicultural and we see you know, all different types of, of people. Yeah, um, many different races, and then we just kind of accustomed to it. But then you come to a place where they don't have that diversity, mm. and it was um, that that can be a little bit, a little bit of a shock. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah. Did you experience that? Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, it would be like uh, like my my first time in Colombia. Um, no, let's see. I mean, in in Colombia, I guess it's a it's a bit different because um, there are a lot of people from Africa. Oh, sorry, people from Afri- of African descent, um, costeños. Um, so, so there there is a, this bit of diversity, and I guess there's, um, yeah, I don't know. I I guess uh, Colombia probably does have more. European influence than than Mexico to to some extent, so so maybe it, I I didn't notice it as much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that the difference is being able to read people. Mm. I, I I couldn't read people. I couldn't I couldn't tell if someone was um, yeah if someone was upset with me or they offered yeah. me something or was a, or a good nature about it. Yeah. I just thought yeah. everyone was at me and I couldn't I couldn't tell. <laughs> where, where now it's now it's like you know I. You, you got it covered. It's like a, there, was a, there was at least six months of adjusting Yeah, where yeah. I, I couldn't tell. And I think that's what I think scares tourists when they go traveling somewhere and there's people selling to them or offering them or trying to help them or whatever. Yeah. Um, and they, they just don't know what's happening. It's like, are you trying to sell me something? Are you going to rob me? Are you, are you legitimately, you know, going <laughs> to give me a hand? Or, <laughs> or, or are you as lost as I am? Yeah. Like, or, you know, are you showing me around just because you want a tip or, or yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I have got it down 100%. I still get caught sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's also, oh, the, the most confusing is, is with women. 
because they're like, even though I understand Spanish pretty well, um, like I can understand what you're saying literally, but then reading between the lines is is another thing. And there's just all these subtle cultural cues, like, like when when a, a girl says to you, um, you know, uh, you know what, I'll I'll call you. <laughs> what does that mean? Like you have to, you have to like put it in the entire context and take it apart piece by piece, and then analyze, and then be like, oh, yeah, she's gonna call me, or no, she's not gonna call me. <laughs> That's a, you don't know, you don't know which it is until you've made that mistake like ten or twenty times. <laughs> well, okay, this is funny because that's hard enough, mm. you know, in your own hometown, yeah, exactly. your own people, your own language. Exactly. Like uh, after a while, I just, I, I just thought. Fuck it. I'm not even gonna but like if if she's not if this girl isn't jumping up and down wanting to see me, then I'm just gonna not think about it. <laughs> well, at least that way, you know, you're not gonna have your um your expectations crushed. Yeah. Because, yeah. because I, I can say even even speaking with Joanna, mm. I'm sometimes I d I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what's going on. Like uh, do that. Okay, let's start again. I'm gonna do this, this, and this, and I'll see you at eight. Or I, what's gonna? Or you know, like I need to clarify again exactly what's happening. It's like, so does that mean you're gonna leave at eight thirty, or you know, they're waiting for me early? It's like I, I just don't know, and I don't think it's a language thing. I think it's no. like it's a Latin women, like a, a Latin chick thing. about renting out this room I'm, i i kind of second guess myself and i'm like would people really pay you know 10 12 15 dollars a night for for this place um you know maybe the the, the neighborhood isn't, isn't the greatest neighborhood maybe the 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 building looks a bit scruffy i mean the room the rooms are pretty nice but the or like you know some problem with I don't know the the water not heating up immediately or something like that uh, <laughs> when you have a shower in the morning. Uh, but then I thought, well, well, hang on. I remember the first time I came to Mexico and stayed in Guadalajara, and I, I must, I suppose, I was paying somewhere between 10, 10 and twenty Australian dollars a night uh, to stay in a place which wasn't uh, it wasn't in in the greatest location. Uh, it was it was a decent place. It wasn't. It wasn't like classy or anything, uh, and I, I did have those. You know, I came in and had those problems, and the the, the building look did look a bit scruffy, and the, and <laughs> the place did look a, a little bit, you know, worn. Uh, and uh, the I couldn't figure out how to get hot water or whatever. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, this is still like, I guess it's kind of what people expect when they come to Mexico. Maybe not everything is going to be perfect. Um, and I didn't even think, like, when when I got there, I didn't think, oh, I'm not getting what I paid for or something like that. I just thought, yeah, it's, you know, it's perfectly normal. <laughs> you didn't think it was normal? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously didn't think, you know, this is the greatest place I've ever been, I've ever stayed in. <laughs> I didn't think that. Yeah. But I, I did think, you know, this is decent for the for the price I'm paying. You know, I'm pa- I'm paying for economical uh, uh, accommodation, and then, and that's what I'm receiving, and and that's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I do yeah. understand what you mean when you say you, you second guess yourself, because yeah. I mean, even when I walked in this apartment building, it was uh, it's like, whoa, what a big, funny apartment building it's like uh you know all every apartment's a different color it's like a big you know jailhouse primary school <laughs> it, it's like it, it's it's a weird it's a weird feeling um yeah and then just the it's the the mentality of of having everything nice compared to having something that hasn't been painted in 20 years mm. and uh yeah it does kind of um this kind of impact you, but um, I guess that that's, that's why you're second guessing, right? Yeah, yeah. But I guess if they're only paying twelve bucks a night, you know what really they're gonna what are they gonna expect <laughs> when? I mean, looking looking at Australia, where you, minimum you're paying like sixty bucks, seventy bucks for a hotel room. Yeah, I guess so. And some of those hotel rooms are pretty shabby. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Or you know, in a, maybe in a pub. Like you go to a small town, stay in a pub, and it, it probably cost you. Uh, I remember I was I was in a pub in a small town, and I paid at least twenty twenty dollars, I think maybe twenty five dollars for the night, and we were sharing the room between like four of us. Um, <laughs> each of us, there you go. yeah, yeah. Whereas here, you know, you pay you pay, you know, twelve fifteen dollars a night, and you get a private room. I guess it's it's starting to look pretty good, <laughs> and it's it's a short walk to the to the central. Mm. Mm. That's that's a positive. It's a plus. I mean, there's a, yeah. there's a lot around here as well. I think if people wanted to experience like cultural suburban Guadalajara, you're yeah. you're in the prime position. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it is like I'm sure that's a that's a selling point for a lot of people because. A lot of people don't want to like. Imagine if, if you come into Guadalajara and stay at the what's that hotel, the Rio? Uh the the Rio R I U. Yeah, yeah. Imagine if you if you go and stay there and you you know you're staying on the twentieth story or something, and you you're actually completely removed from the city. I mean, you may as well be in the Hilton in New York or something, or <laughs> or, or Vegas. Yeah, you're, you're a different world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas here, well, it's it's very obvious where you are, and and that's a good thing. <laughs> well, even the even the Ryu, I think you know you're, mm. you're paying about two hundred US a night for right. for like the, the entry level room, um, and <laughs> and you're not that far from here. Mm. Like you're really only 10, 10 minutes in car, and the mm. suburb that you're in, I think, would be would be less interesting than here because it's not very, it's more like the industrial zone. Right. So it's like, you know, you're <laughs> you right. You really you're, built a whole hotel in the industrial zone. <laughs> well, it's on the edge, like it's on the main freeway. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of in between the, the city and the airport. Yeah. So it is, it is a good position, but there's, there's not really any cool little pubs and coffee shops around there. Mm. Um, well, not like there is here. <laughs> I'm selling your place for you, man. Come hang out at Kurt's. Yeah, yeah. When, <laughs> I'll put the link up 
when uh when when I get the Airbnb set up, I'll put the link in the description. You can come check it out. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do. I do remember just now. I remember I was taking like a a shuttle bus the first time I was in Medellin, taking a, a, a colectivo from or not a colectivo, uh, just a, a bus from the airport into the city, and I was talking to some gringo dude, uh, some some old uh, American guy. And, and um, I, yeah, I was just making conversation. I said, I said, yeah, I'm, you know, staying in a guest house. It's good. It only costs five hundred dollars a month, and he had this look of kind of like horror. <laughs> like I think he he must have been paying like. I don't know, fifty, a hundred dollars a night, and here I was paying. <laughs> right, he's, he's been paying doing it for twenty years. Sorry, he, he's been doing it for twenty years. <laughs> right, he just realized every every time in his life he's come to Colombia, he's actually, um, be, you know, been paying ten times the the price of a guest house. <laughs> but you'd hang on to your clientele. If a place has got, I mean, if they can bring people in and overcharge them, they will. Yeah, yeah. It's good business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Actually, there wasn't like a, yeah, there was a Best West and not too far from the guest house and I think they were charging like $40 a night. A Best West and it's not exactly, I mean, it's a known brand of hotel, but I think I don't think it's actually the fine, like a fine hotel. <laughs> and, you know, you can waste a lot of money that way. Um <laughs> well, that, that's, and you wouldn't even get, you know, the same level of service as in a guest house. Well, that's about the the experience of, of traveling. I think mm. once once you've done a few trips, you you feel more comfortable about. Uh, well, that and you've probably built a network, but you feel more comfortable about you know looking up and, and staying with people in the area. I think sometimes people go to right. hotels when they when they don't know what to expect, yeah. and, and they they kind of want to put their money on a on a sure bet, even if it isn't the best option because they don't know they don't know otherwise mm, mm. and you know some of these countries can be a little bit scary when you're you know by yourself for the first time yeah it can be a daunting experience but still I mean um, you do it a couple times you get, you get used to like even the first experience at a hostel it's like yeah the, you know the taps rattle and the, the water's not quite as, as, as hot yeah you've got pipes running all over the ceilings in the bedrooms yeah yeah, you got you sharing a room with a group of people. I mean, that that's a little daunting for someone that doesn't have that hasn't done the the hostel experience before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to get out. You got to live that kind of stuff. <laughs> but you know, that's what we're talking about. Like you know, this this perpetual traveling idea, and you know, getting comfortable with traveling. It's getting much more uh, accessible to travel cheaply. Yeah, and the the experience that you're looking for is not is you know oftenly not the the expensive hotel. I mean that that's that's something that I think a minority of people would want, but mm. the, as the people that fall into that category, that perhaps would be satisfied with, with a room like this in a cool community and you know a different type of holiday experience, which I think is mm. popular between like you know kids like us, mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> because like you know I'm I'm over that. Like that, 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 I mean, I've kind of, I did it because I didn't know what else, what other traveling was available. Yeah. And then, then you get used to the, the hostels and then, you know, you realize, well, I'm not really in the hotel anyway. I'm out on the streets and sightseeing. Yeah. I really only need a locker. 
they put my stuff and then you yep. then you look at Amsterdam, they got they got walls of lockers and people fly in, locker their their, their gear up mm. and they, they carry, you know, like a light backpack and go hostel jumping. Uh, there's, oh, whole, right. there's a whole different ways of, of traveling now. <laughs> which I don't think enough people know about. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, yeah, it's kind of funny because, I mean, still it seems like half the time I ask somebody, oh, you know Airbnb? They're like, nope. <laughs> no, no one's heard of it. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, a lot have, but I know a lot of people that haven't. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, it's kind of weird, like they're not, they're not aware of these other options. It's like... Well, I, I tried using Airbnb about five years ago, mm. but the, everyone that I, I, like I sent a message to, no one got back to me or, or not only in time. Well, they did and they said it wasn't available. Like, it wasn't the, the, easiest, the easiest service. I think it's, I mean, five years ago, I was very early, yeah. early in this sharing economy game. Yeah. I think now there's a lot more people that, that are willing to have that spare room on and, you know, have someone crash, you know, maybe a couple times a month. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know how much flow they're going to get through. Mm. But it's uh, it's definitely growing. Mm. Mm. Like you've used it successfully. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. So I used it. Let's see. I I used it when the first time I came to Mexico when I was staying here in Guadalajara, staying in Mexico City. Um, then yeah, when I arrived here again in in Guadalajara. Um, I yeah I booked a, a room for a couple of months, um, which unfortunately I didn't have the best experience. But actually, even though Airbnb were were kind of slow about following it up, they they fixed me right up and because uh, the internet wasn't working at this place and you know it would stop working for months or sorry weeks at a time, uh, <laughs> and I'd specifically said to the to the host beforehand. You know, I need internet for my job, and she's like, "Oh, I'll be fine." Uh, it wasn't fine anyway. Airbnb fi- fixed me up, and they um, they gave me more of a refund than I was expecting, and they and they gave me a, a discount card as well and stuff. It's it's pretty good. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so a good customer service. That's important. Yeah. 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 So you know they they know what they're doing. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But this, um, so th- this model you got here, you're hoping mm. to have two rooms on Airbnb? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Nice. Yeah. It's a nice way to make some money. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think it'll, it'll work out pretty, pretty well considering I pay like this $220 a month uh, for rent. And then, you know, I pay for the services for a while. That's like another hundred dollars or so. Then if, uh, best case scenario, I'm getting someone in here that's, that's paying same, you know, two people paying more than $300 a month. Uh, and they, you know, I make bank and I, <laughs> I'd show them around the community, help them out, maybe give them some basic Spanish lessons if that's what they need. Uh, and everybody wins. That's that's if you have the rooms booked out like full full time. Yeah, yeah. If it it probably won't happen that way, but say you know, if best case scenario, I'd be you know getting six hundred dollars a month, um, uh, less the Airbnb commission, I guess. But um, you know, something like five hundred dollars a month more than covers my my rent and my utilities. That that covers. 
all expenses and a month of fruit and vegetable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, so the, the motto is to, to go explore the world, find a city that you like, um, get a, a friend's network um, so you feel comfortable and you can call on favors when needed, uh, rent yourself a three-bedroom apartment and then, uh, and then get some furniture in there and then rent out the two rooms so that your, your living expenses are pretty much nullified. Yeah. <laughs> and if you can get free dinner... Excellent. <laughs> yeah. That's a good move, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, hey, how does, it, how does it feel to be living for free? You've got to, <laughs> got to manifest this future. <laughs> well, uh, I didn't... How does it feel? It, it feels liberating. You know, I, I was thinking as well, I could put the whole um, apartment on Airbnb. I have, was having a look at the prices in this area. People... Um, People had a, a couple of full apartments for like fifty, fifty, seventy $50, $70 a night. Yeah. Um, so if I wanted to go, you know, say I take a trip to Puerto Vallarta um, or I just, I, I wait for somebody to book it and the, like, <laughs> hey. they book it for three nights and I say, okay. Trips on you. Holiday, holiday <laughs> time. Take, uh, take off to Manzanillo or something. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah. That is a really good idea. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> All right. So now, now I'm thinking. Now I'm thinking. This is what. This is what. You should help. You help people set this up. Mm. I could. You know why? Why not? If you know, if I come back here, I do the same thing. Yeah. Most yeah. people. Well, I guess most people don't um, don't think about it mm. because the. I mean, the key advantage that I'm seeing here is that not only have you got, um, you know, okay, you've you've got extra cash coming in, mm. so you got your expenses cut. But it, it could mean you could work less. Mm, mm. Like, you know, you could you you work hourly basis, yeah, um, part time. You could work less and have so much more free time for activities. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And also, if uh, like if someone cool comes through, I'll be like, hey, uh, can I interview you for the Paradise Paradox? That's <laughs> there's a lot of cool people traveling. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, that's, that's making friends. That's increasing your, your network. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, they, they crash at yours, you crash at theirs. Mm-hmm. And you've got this uh, community of, of, you know, traveling cool people mm. that, uh, that are opening each other's minds, sharing ideas, mm. um, traveling the world. Yep. <laughs> Things are changing. So just in the break, I, uh, I went out and grabbed a drink of water. And I notice your house is a system. In the bathroom, you need to use the the right <laughs> tap, and in the kitchen, it's the left tap. Yeah, <laughs> and the right tap. If you turn on the right tap, water starts spilling out of the tap instead of out of the faucet. Oh, cool! I know. I never got that far in the level. I just figured it didn't work, so I'll turn it off again, and then open the other one. But there could be water out. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't notice. Oh, <laughs> uh, there will be. Trust me. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Well, there you have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. So, so a lot of people like to travel. Some, some people don't really like to travel. I think uh, traveling is important because you experience other cultures and you see these, these things that 
uh, maybe you, you would never expect different ways of doing things. Like, for, for this is a bit of an odd example, but um, first time I was in Colombia, I was in I was in the kitchen with a, a young lady, and she was um, she was about to use a lime, and uh, it was a bit tough, so obviously. She dropped it to the floor and started uh, rolling it back and forth, applying some pressure with with her shoe. Of course, uh, <laughs> of course, which is a um, you know softens up the lime, makes it easier to use. I would have never thought of that in a million years to <laughs> to drop it to the floor and start rolling. Well, it hit the floor. It's it's ruined. Yeah, yeah. Except it's not because you're not going to use the rind anyway. It's a lime. You're just going to use the juice. So yeah. of course it's it's completely fine, um, and you know perfectly hygienic. <laughs> um, so that that was your lesson of the day. <laughs> that was my like freak out of the day. What the fuck are you doing <laughs> with that line? <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this is what I think. I think traveling's super important too. It's like the education, mm. and you know you might not learn anything anything exactly directly. I mean, the lime is very useful. Now you know, now you know what to do when you get a tough lime. Yeah. But it's, you, you see there's other ways of thinking. Mm. And, like, you know, you create different pathways in your mind or you, or you just open yourself up to think, you know, maybe, maybe there's other ways of doing everything. Mm. Mm. And then, you, then when you go home, that, that's, that's something I, I realized. You don't, you can't, you, you don't know your own country until you leave. Mm. And then you come yeah, back you have and then nothing you, to compare it to. Exactly. Then you, you come back and you've got a whole new mindset and you're like, well, you know, maybe, maybe we've got things around the wrong way. Other than, <laughs> other than that's just the way it's done. Just the yeah, way, yeah. It's the way dad does it. So it must be right. Yeah. It's all, the, all those little assumptions, which, which are, they're really there, but they're really invisible until you have something to compare it to. And yeah. So, so how old were you when you left, like when you started traveling, like by yourself? Uh, well, it was only a few years ago. It was like 2011, I guess, 2010. Yeah. Uh, 2008 for me. And we were mm. kind of the same age. So I think it was late. I think mm. I started traveling yeah. a bit later in, in my life. Yeah. And yeah. If, I, if I traveled myself, I traveled by myself earlier, I think, um, I mean, you know, what, what's, what's happened happened. But I think it's it's beneficial to travel because when I was when I was cruising through Germany, I you know, I ran into I was I was traveling by myself and I, I some other you know you're at a pub drinking and yeah. I met up I met up some girls that were that told me they were they were like eighteen and twenty when really they were they were just sixteen <laughs> and uh, you know I didn't know I didn't know the difference it was like um, <laughs> they they acted like they're a lot older. But obviously, you know, being in in Europe, you can travel. There's a lot more cultural diversity. Um, yeah. You can you can meet a whole you know very strange people, mm. um, and they they were they seemed a lot older than than I thought, mm. just because I was very young in mm. uh, in my experience in traveling. Mm. Mm. So um, look looking at their lives, I would say it's important to travel. I mean, it's maybe you know not when you're 16, but these girls are a little crazy. Um, 
but you know, it was, it was cool. It was cool, and having that that change in perception allowed me to see. You know, I I got to get out now that I know I got to get out. I got to get out more. And sixteen year old girls. This this is okay. This is a little funny story. They, yeah. uh, you know, we're out, we're drinking, and we're partying and whatever. And they're like, "You should come. You should come to a class tomorrow. Mm. You, should, you should come buy one of my classes." And I assume they're at university. Course. And uh, you know, so you know, I jump on the boyfriend's bike in the morning, and we cruise to the the school. And I'm like, you know, my my germ is not really that good, but I'm pretty sure that says high school. And, uh, and then she just she just gave me that cheeky smile and said, "Hey, show and tell. Look who I found." And so, and here I am at a high school. It's creepy, man. She literally brought you along for show and tell. Uh, she left me in the like the student study. But I mean, I didn't know my way around, and I only had a push bike. But it was, you got to travel, man. It was, it was a cool trip. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, in, I think a lot of the time in uh, German high schools, they teach you until you're 18. Is like 18, even 19, I think. You might start university when you're 20. Um, and yeah, also, I think they have a, I've heard they have a different attitude there. Like, I remember I met this exchange student in Australia from Germany and uh she she came over and she told me that um that uh one day she just she she didn't go to school she went to the beach or went to the movies or whatever and and when she came back to school they were like where where were you you know you need this and this um and they were so freaked out and she was like I don't get it what's what's the big deal like if I don't want to go to school, that's my responsibility. <laughs> like, why are you treating me like a, a child? <laughs> she was like 16. Yeah. But um, that's the, the whole different cultural assumption. Like in, in Australia and the US, uh, yeah, you need to go to school. You know, you are mandated to go to school. But yeah. in Germany, it's, it's, uh, it's up to you. It's your own brain, you know, if you want to learn. Then, then come. <laughs> yeah. And everyone, this is, this is the interesting thing, everyone seems smarter. Mm. Of course. Because they're, I mean, I wasn't making those decisions when I was 16. I was, just, yeah. you know, I was following, the, following the process. Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the industrial, you know, manufacturing line. Production <laughs> line. I was, you know, one machine the Educational the next. industrial complex. You can call it that. <laughs> um, but... Yeah. To be 16 and to to have that that empowerment to make those decisions would have would would made me very different. Mm. Um, I'm sure of that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I only I only came across this realization that I'm in control of myself two years ago. Mm. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> I'm still asking permission. Am I allowed to Am I allowed to leave Australia and go overseas? And, and you know, is there a, is there a limitation of what I can do? Is there prerequisites before I uh, tackle certain activities? Like. <laughs> No, do whatever you want <laughs> within reason. And then that, that comes into like, you know, moral compass and, and all that. If you're a well-rounded mm. person, well, then there's nothing holding you back other than yourself. Yeah. So, well, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. you know, these kind of people, I think, I think this, is a, this is something that especially Australians do. When they, when they go to other countries, they're like, nobody knows me. I'm, I'm a foreigner. I could just do stupid stuff and nobody could stop me. And and I remember I met this dude in a bar who's who's telling me, "Oh, it's great. I went to 
I don't know, it could have been the Eastern Bloc and the Czech Republic or something, and he was swimming in the public fountain, uh, you know, skinny dipping or, or just wearing his, his, his undies. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, having a great time. <laughs> Probably nearly got arrested a few times. Or yeah. Another story I heard was that these, these lads went to uh, Japan and, and uh, they passed by this bar and it said, no foreigners... Uh, Japanese only, and they're like, "Oh, oh, oh really? <laughs> no foreigners, Japanese only? You think you're so fancy?" So they grabbed the the fire extinguisher off the wall and sprayed it all over the door, all around. You know, wasting yeah. the entire extinguisher, uh, and just walked off like that happens every week. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I wonder why they don't want foreigners. I wonder why they don't want fucking australians in there. yeah when my, my first trip to cancun was i was dragged along by a crew of, of 40 guys um and it was like let's go to spring break seems like mm. a good idea and and being um slightly unconscious of course mm. spring break let's go do that sure we we met a group of girls that as soon as they found out that we're from newcastle yeah australia they just didn't want to talk to us anymore. <laughs> Where were they from? I think um, they were from like Florida, like US, like US, US uni girls, college chicks. What? And, and they said, oh, you know, Newcastle boys have a reputation. I was very, I was almost proud, you know, like, yeah, Newcastle, like, you know, we're out and destroy shit. Newcastle has a reputation. Newcastle. <laughs> I, has, no, I mean, can, you got to face nobody it. Nobody can even pin it on a map. How no, are you going to... These girls knew and... Oh, all right. All and right. I mean, you know, you have to... you sure they weren't thinking of Geordies like Newcastle in the UK? Mm, they, I, I can't say. Okay. But, you okay. know, but we, we made a whole joke out of it. Um, but the thing is, like, the people, you know... Well, firstly, Newcastle does produce a lot of douchebags. They're, they're, they're going to go do a lot of no dumb question. shit all yeah. over the world. So it wouldn't. It didn't surprise me that people go, well, you, Newcastle. Oh, we've heard about Newcastle. But then it could have been some other Newcastle. It doesn't matter. The point is young dudes <laughs> leave their country. I guess, I guess the two Newcastles have, uh, probably have a quite a similar reputation, come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, we're probably not that different, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, so... <laughs> but, I mean, that, that doesn't change the fact that people leave their country and just want to go wild. Mm. There's, like, a certain freedom that, mm. that enters their, their soul and then they just turn into these reckless demons of trying to experience as much recklessness mm. as they can while they're, they're away from any, you know, parental or primary school head teacher, uh, principal, role model that's going to, you know, get them in trouble. Mm. So they feel like, you know, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, yeah. And this is the thing about the, the nanny stain in Australia. Like, did you, you know, I, I was reading this article about the uh, that stupid helmet law that they have in Australia. If, you wear, if you're riding a bicycle, you have to wear a helmet. And, and I commented on it say, saying, oh, you know, I'm so glad that the government has this law about wearing a helmet because if it didn't, I mean, I, I didn't realize before I rode a bicycle regularly, I didn't realize. But this is actually a huge risk that the bicycle is just going to flip right over and you're going <laughs> to land on your head. It's just 
It's remarkable how much that happens. So thank you, Australian government, for protecting me from my own ignorance of the flipping over and hitting my head or landing on the landing on my cranium problem. It happens so often. Especially it's, if you've got a big head. Like most people don't have a chance. <laughs> yeah, a little top heavy. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, they, they tried bringing in that a similar system to what we have here. Um, they're the MiBisi, like my bicycle, which yeah. is like a bicycle share program where yeah. uh, you know you rent a bicycle from the government for a, for a day or for a half an hour or something like that. You, yeah. you sign up for a membership and you've got a bike basically on every you know every suburb street corner that you can just jump on, jump off. Mm. Um, but in Australia, they they have them. Yeah, and they they put these helmets. Mm. There and they last about a week until you got a group of drunken idiots that walk past and all flog a helmet. They, right. they put these helmets on and they're like, you know, you can't ride these bikes without a helmet because you get fined, but you yeah. can't use the bike because you're not going to carry a helmet around with you all the time. Yeah, exactly. So they put these helmets out for the bikes and they go missing. <laughs> so like the system doesn't. doesn't well, in, in Melbourne, it wasn't even like they, they introduced these, these bike system. And they didn't provide any helmets for months. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, you know, bicycles right there. Go ahead. Um, and, you know, either you, you use them and you um, you run the risk of ending fine or, or you don't use them because you, you don't have a helmet. Um, and then, uh, then, yeah, they brought in like $5 helmets from 7-Eleven, which I think are probably... Uh, I've heard this, they're so bad quality that they're more of a risk to, mm. to wear them. Yeah. So, but, but then yeah. What, what sort of, I'm thinking the other side, what sort of policeman or policewoman would be standing there watching from afar in their patrol vehicle waiting for an innocent you know, person to, yeah. to jump on this bike and then to follow them and go you know, $220 fine mm. for not wearing a helmet? <laughs> well, that's like I'm so used to to uh, um, you know, I'm a bit more used to to liberty now <laughs> that I live in Mexico. I think if I go back to Australia, I would probably do like the reverse traveling dickhead, where I would <laughs> I would take you know I would jump on a bicycle in Australia and say like I don't care, fuck your laws. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going to ride it. And I think that's actually probably what people should do in Australia because it's a, it's a ridiculous law. They because should, either they should got, disobey it at every single opportunity. Yeah, the people need to stand up for themselves. Mm. But, but here in Mexico, they've got the same, the same helmet laws. They do? Yeah. But, I mean, but, but transit cops, I'm assuming, unless you're doing something really, really dumb, they can't... Well, firstly, I don't think they can be bothered. Yeah. You know, and then dealing with you and like you know you're not going to show you're not going to show them your ID. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just going to be a pain in the ass dealing with this kid that doesn't want to give his name up or his ID, and he's probably got the money to pay for the fine anyway. And what are you <laughs> going to do? Stick the fine to his bike? It's like <laughs> confiscate his bike. It's what a waste of time. Oh, my bike anyway. Yeah. Uh, in the municipality of Guadalajara. And that goes to the same as the same as motorbikes. Yeah. Right. Like you're supposed to wear a motorbike helmet, but yeah. Hardly any, hardly anyone does. And the majority of motorbike helmets, those little top hats, they're, they're not going to save you. Like, hat. yeah, they're not going to save you your jaw and everything from a motorbike car accident. Mm. But just don't have an accident in the first place. Isn't that a better, a better rule? So you had an accident. I'm going to fine you now. 
<laughs> for doing something inappropriate. Yeah. yeah. And well, I have to assume that that a bicycle helmet actually has approximately zero benefits because if if there really were a risk there of, you know, the, the flipping over, landing on a cranium problem, then <laughs> you would see people in, in Amsterdam wearing bicycle helmets because they would be aware enough. Like, <laughs> yeah. they would be aware that it was a common problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. I've, I've slipped off my bike and, you know, grazed my knee or something like that. I've never landed on my head. <laughs> I don't know anyone who's landed on the head when riding a bicycle. But <laughs> um, yeah, I've I've got nothing. I mean, I, I suppose if you, if you get hit by a car at velocity, yeah, it's pretty the, the helmet. Well, I mean, look, compared to the motorbike helmets, motorbike helmets come right down and give you like neck support. Mm. So you know, I think you've got to if you get hit hard by a car and you're on a bike mm. and you're going to break your neck yeah. or hurt your back. The helmet's like the least of your worries. Okay, okay. Moral of the story, mandatory motorcycle helmets for cyclists. They're, they're expensive. <laughs> More expensive than the bike probably. Um, okay, so the point is, I don't know, we go so far off track. No, I, no, the is, well, the, we're, talking, we're talking about the, cool. the Australian <laughs> nanny state and how right. it's, how it's oh, producing right. these, these reckless... Oh, shoot yes. from the hip it's a, yeah, hooligans okay. because they because they're so re- restrained by laws it's it's like it's like college students in in the u.s 18 years old never had a, a, a drop of responsibility and of course what do they do they you know they go crazy in in these um throw down um, a liter of vodka because, yeah because i can yeah. and i can do Jungle it faster juice. than you yeah, uh, date, rape, or whatever the hell they do. Um, and yeah, suddenly, you know, let loose on the world. And that's what Australians are like when they go traveling a lot of the time. So it's embarrassing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of undercover here in Mexico. Nobody really knows that I'm not Mexican. I just walk, I cruise around, got my sunnies mm. on, usually a hat backwards. Nobody, nobody expects me to be anything else but just a, just a Mexican, and then then you see you see these gringos walking around, mm. you know, and like it's like they're talking loud on purpose. They want to try everything. They want to you know do everything. They want to let everyone know they're here because we're in safe Guadalajara. I don't know. I don't know. Is that, is that true? Do you, do you feel like when you see other other gringos out partying, how does that how does that affect you? <laughs> I just I, I cross this to the other side of the street. No, no, I don't. <laughs> but well. I don't know. It doesn't. It, there's not that many uh, people from the United States around, but mm. you know they're nice enough. I, I guess I'm thinking of my experience in Cancun. Yeah, uh, uh, a few, okay. a few okay. months back. Right, and okay. it, it's just like, that's you know, a different. Uh, just, that's a different ball game than in Guadalajara. Yeah, true. Like, no, he, he I don't think dickheads come to Guadalajara. It's not like, hey, you know, this is a flashy, stupid town. It's it's a bit more humble and relaxed. Mm. Hmm. I guess when you go to Puerto Vallarta, you need to give me a report of what it's like there. <laughs> I wouldn't go back to Cancun again because of the the tourists. It just it just it's too hard to stay stay comfortable and cool. It's like you just have this. They just they grind my gears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I'm building a, a base camp out in the countryside. All right, just get away from Far people. Away from all of the. 
or, or sort of people? <laughs> people that are people that are wound up by rules mm. and you know constrained by by regulation. Like I think country people seem more chilled out, and relaxed. They've been doing whatever they want to do for so long now they don't want to do anything. Just <laughs> let me chill. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. So what's what was our point here? I think um, the point was tra- traveling is cool. Traveling is is getting a lot cheaper. Um, use Airbnb and you know if you find any other sites, actually let us let us know. There might be other interesting sites for yeah. traveling that we don't even know about. You know, blah blah car and stuff like that. You can use for road trips. It's um, kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, this series of of uh, like sharing the, those resources you need yeah. to travel is, uh, is getting accessible so that everyone can do it, which is necessary because yeah. it's yeah. the best education you're ever going to get. Mm. You just to learn about, about yourself and how, you know, feelings that you never thought you'd have, put yourself in uncomfortable situations, which most often are not that uncomfortable. Let's just say your perceptions are playing mind games with you mm. and you, you're freaking out for no reason. Yeah. That happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah actually, I'm, Reminds me of one little thing to to wrap up. I remember I was in uh, I was in Colombia. Um, I met an, uh, a fellow um, named David. He'd come to Medellin to look for a job. He's from Cartagena, and uh, I went to he he told me like message me on Facebook or he gave me a call and said, "Hey buddy, I'm back in Cartagena. You know, come whenever. It's easier to find. You just need to go to the Isle of Peru." And I was like, "Okay, great." So I I booked a flight. For a couple of days, and um, like three three days in in Cartagena, uh, and he he told me that it was easy to find. So of course I naturally trusted him because I'm naive like that. Uh, I I got off the I, I got off the plane and I'm walking through the airport and I'm like, well, it's easy to find. I just have to ask someone, and the, uh, I found this tour guide and it's like, ah, so here's what you need to do. You take the taxi, then you take the ferry, then you get off the ferry, and then you're going to take a moto for half an hour, like jump on the back of someone's motorcycle, and 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 then you'll be there. Uh, and it was like, huh, easy to find. <laughs> Thank, thanks, David. Uh, <laughs> and I get I get there, and then I, I realize, okay, I'm actually at the Playa Blanca, which it, it is on the Isle of Peru, um, but it's not where my friend lives. Uh, and uh, David had said to me, like, oh, you know, if I ask anyone there, just ask for the English teacher, David, and they will know who you're talking about. So I'm going around asking people and, and pulling out my laptop and showing, like, do you know this guy? Classics. And they're like, nope. Yeah. Don't know. Don't know him. And uh, David had, sa- had said to me, oh, we'll, we'll go to this, this place. It's called Ugo's Place. Uh, Ugo is my friend. He lives on the beach there. He has the these uh, huts and, and hammocks. You stay there for, for 10,000 pesos or five dollars a night. Uh, and so I'm like, ah, I see it. I saw the sign, Ugo's place. And I'm like, Ugo, you must know my friend, David, the English teacher. And Ugo, I think Ugo has, has been living on the beach for like 20 or 30 years. He was like the first one to set up a hut on Playa Blanca and start charging people to sleep in hammocks. And uh, his, his, his brain has been exposed to so much sun and probably so much weed 
that <laughs> I don't know how he, he keeps his business together, but I guess it's a pretty simple model. Um, <laughs> so he anyway, he had no idea. <laughs> so I never did find my friend, but I still I slept on the beach in a, in a hammock and <laughs> what an adventure! <laughs> yeah. So the point was uh, like riding on the on the back of a, a moto and i'm grabbing onto this guy's shoulders and holding onto the to the handle on the back and i'm like holy shit you know like t- two three four five years ago i couldn't even imagine that i would be doing here be being here doing this mm-hmm. and not even being worried about it just <laughs> not knowing how i was going to get back to off the island or anything um but it was perfectly cool and yeah everything more or less worked out and that's <laughs> this is one of those experiences like that really i guess reveals your character or you you realize how how much strength you have how actually the world is actually not such a scary place uh and that, that's my final thought <laughs> that's perfect cool Great. So, so jump on the paradiseparadox.com. You can have a look through our old episodes there. We've got a lot of uh, great content, interesting stuff, crazy ideas for open-minded people. And uh, you can press the shop Amazon link there. So if you're going to buy something, uh, buy it through that link. And it just means we'll receive a little commission. We do appreciate it when you help us out with the, with, with the Paradise Paradox by supporting the show that way. Um, What's something they can buy? Some books or something? <laughs> um, well, let's see. Um, what was I looking at recently? Maybe The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. That's, that, a, that's, that's, a, that's a good one. book. It might enable your traveling lifestyle. Uh, if you can manage to, to, to create a business where you work, you know, just a few hours a week or even look at... It mentions ways where you can... Um, you can start working from home and then maybe without telling your boss you actually just leave the country and go live in china for a year uh, <laughs> well many people tell their boss i'll see you in two weeks yeah 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 and, uh, they don't come back for a month <laughs> you know we've got friends that have done that yeah so uh yeah. yeah any any books on um on perpetual traveling or uh, or bugging out that's that's cool too you know like uh, get your, your bug out checklist yeah that's what i was looking at Mm. bugging out like you know bugging out packs like mm. you know like good backpacks for traveling um i only want a little one because my backpack's shot um but yeah there's a lot of a lot of cool travel stuff on on amazon mm. so go window shopping yeah you might buy something uh, the movie into the wild into the wild this is a pretty cool movie do you know that one uh, it rings a bell but okay. go on it's a it's about a guy who who uh he has rich parents and they give him some money when he finishes college but he decides to give it all away to charity and and start living as a drifter and working in in different jobs and and he has this dream to go to alaska but it can it's it's uh yeah it's a, it's a bit tragic but very interesting oh yeah give, gives I you yeah i know the one gives you it's a, a good an idea like what it can mean uh when you well for one thing when you decide how you want to live your own life and for another thing how you how um stability maybe isn't all that important <laughs> he was a young dude wasn't he yeah that yeah, just took it's, off it's based on a true story excellent yeah, yeah that's definitely yeah. definitely watch that movie yeah great movie 
Um, cool. So head on, head on over to donate.theparanaxparanox.com and you can give us a tip there. We're graciously holding out our tip cup, you know, so drop a, drop a few dollars, suggest a donation, one US dollar per episode that you like. Um, so just show us a little love, show us your support. It, it does mean a lot to us because it, it means we know that somebody out there is listening and watching and, and enjoying what we're saying and uh, it's, it's significant. In uh, in our hearts and our wallets, so <laughs> so thank thanks so much for all those uh, donations there. Mm-hmm. And what else? Yeah, head on uh, over to Facebook. So, yeah, Facebook, Facebook, yeah. And, and share our share episodes, share um, content they put up. Anything? Yeah, so jump on over to Facebook, press like on Facebook, hover over the like button, press get notifications, um, hug your pet dog because it needs some love. Um, you might want to wash him first, though. <laughs> if he's like my dog, he stinks. <laughs> wash your dog, kids. Wash your dog. <laughs> Aaron's tip of the day. Wash your dog. It's, it's, and it's nice. Your dog up here. So it's, uh, it's good bonding experience for the, for your dog and owner. Washing the dog <laughs> because then they shake all the water off, and that's just that's you got to be dressed for it. <laughs> all right, and uh, yeah, go go on over to YouTube. Press like, press dislike on YouTube. Uh, press subscribe definitely press subscribe you must do it is a moral imperative and uh, subscribe on itunes subscribe on podcasts give us a review on itunes and good ratings are good yeah give, yeah. Us, give us a good rating Great. if you enjoyed yeah or leave a comment if you didn't yeah ask ask a question uh so head on head on over to twitter i'm at trouble bubble you can catch me on uh, at battle az great and uh that's just about it. Have a good one, guys. All right, all right, all right. Remember to head on over to theparadiseparadox.com slash 53, theparadiseparadox.com slash 53, just to get the show notes, all the crazy, delicious, delicious, interesting, and nutritious devices, interesting links, internet conceptuality that we have on there. See you next time, guys. Mm-hmm.